Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. How long? Does Jonathan have to fight out there all alone before Saul commands his 600 men to get in the fight? Imagine if you were Jonathan. You're fighting. Where's all our guys? I thought they'd be in here by now. 1 Samuel 14 and 19. Now it happened while Saul talked to the priest that the noise which was in the camp of the Philistines continued to increase. So Saul said to the priest, Withdraw your hand. Okay, I'm going to explain all this. But the first thing that bugs me is this. Let's call roll. Check. Bring in the ark. Check. All these check boxes going on. Stay busy. Let's look good. Be doing something. Do this. Do that. But what's he doing now? What's it say he's doing now? He's talking to somebody. He's talking. You ever heard that phrase, all talk and no action? Okay. There you go. He's talking. Guys, this is like strike three with me. I'm really getting <laughs> getting churned up. <laughs> what are they talking about, though? That's what I want to know. What, what, all this going on, what are you talking about? Look there in verse 19, where Saul said to the priest, withdraw your hand. That's our clue as to what they're talking about. Who is Saul talking to? The priest. Got that down. Withdraw your hand. Withdraw your hand from what? Leviticus 8 and 8 tells us something about the priests. It says, Then he put the breastplate on him, and he put the urim and the tumen, I think is how you say it, in the breastplate. Okay, the urim and the tumen were stones that were in the, the, the priest's breastplate that were somehow used to get a binary answer from God, a yes or a no, a true or a false. Is these two stones. Nobody knows the exact nature of them. We have very little biblical information about them. We just know they existed because they're in the, uh, in the Bible. They could have been black stones, white stones, markings on them that meant yes, no, true or false. We don't know, but somehow they were used to inquire of the Lord. Did they throw them like dice? I have no idea. But they used the Urim and Tumen to seek a judgment call on important matters from the Lord. As a matter of fact, when Joshua took over leadership from Moses, the Lord commanded him to use these two stones. God actually instituted this to be used. Numbers 20. I know you are looking at me like, Ray, this is really, really weird, but that's why I've got the scriptures. I'm going to show you. Numbers 27, 21. It says, he shall, uh, for, for uh, Joshua, he shall stand before Eleazar the priest, who shall inquire before the Lord for him by the judgment of the Urim. So they would consult with these stones. Now, I had a lot of other scriptures. You can look it up. It's a fascinating topic. 
many, many times that they use the Urim and Thummim to, to find out, do we or don't we? Yes or no? Shall I or shall I not with these stones is what they did. And so what was Saul talking about with the priest? He was talking to the priest about using the Urim and the Tumen to ask God if we should attack or not. Y'all see this? This is driving me crazy, man. (laughs) Even though they could see and hear the multitude of Philistines being struck down, and while they're all running in terror, melting away, as the Bible says, all this time, there's also Hebrews are coming in to, to join in. Saul's talking to the priest about whether it's time we should go in and attack or not. Should we go in there and do that, or should we not? Uh, let's get the stones. And then the noise got really loud, and he said, withdraw your hand. I guess we better get in there. Saul, do you need this much? The guy that was waiting, that was praying, and the, the, the truck came, and the boat came, and the helicopter came, and he couldn't see the obvious what he's supposed to do. Saul, can you not see the obvious? He's busy over-spiritualizing, bring the ark, get the priest, get the stones, do this, do that. All this battle's going on. You don't know as a king, as your leadership job, to get in there and help out. You see this? The power of God is working right in front of his face. And why is he doing all this? Because I think he's too scared to move. I think he's still afraid. So he covered up his fear by trying to look like he was doing something. You ever done that? Well, I got to look right. People are watching me. It's fake. It's empty. It's hollow. It's fluff. He's trying to be busy doing something. Okay, guys, take roll. Okay. Now bring up the ark. Okay, priest, does the Lord say we should tack now or not? But verse 19 says, when the noise got really loud, from the Philistine fear, he told the priest, withdraw your hand. In other words, Saul told the priest, forget about using the Urim and Tumen. Now that the battle was raging so heavy in Israel's favor, now Saul says, withdraw your hand. Man, let's attack. How long did that take? Again, I want to ask you, put yourself in Jonathan's shoes. How long did Jonathan have to fight while everybody else was stalling, over-spiritualizing. Do y'all remember why Israel rejected God in the first place? Y'all remember when that went down? Remember what they wanted instead of God? 1 Samuel 8 and 19, they told God, no, that's a bad thing to do. They said, God, no, but we shall have a king over us that we may also be like all the nations and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. Go out before us? Before us? Looks to me like it's the people that are going out before the king. Are they getting what they asked for? Is Israel getting the kind of king they thought they were getting? No, they were not. 1 Samuel 14 and 20. Then Saul and all the people who were with him assembled, and they went to the battle. And indeed, every man's sword was against his neighbor, and there was very great confusion. Moreover, the Hebrews who were with the Philistines before that time, who went up with them into the camp from the surrounding country, they also joined the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan. Look at their numbers getting bigger, guys. Look at that. They joined with Saul. Verse 22, Likewise, all the men of Israel who had hidden in the mountains of Ephraim 
when they heard that the Philistines fled, they also followed hard after them in the battle. So the Lord saved Israel that day, and the battle shifted to Beth Aven. Look at this. All the Israelites, they got in the fight. Even the Israelites who had long been with the Philistines. Who are these Israelites, these Hebrews who have been with the Philistines? Why are they with the Philistines? They're slaves. They're slaves. Well, guess what? They're not slaves anymore, are they? They've just been liberated. Someone led the fight that gave them the opportunity to be set free. And they took it. Did you see that? I hear the gospel in here. (laughs) You know, it's like, dude, this is your chance. They said, this is our chance to get out. Let's take it. And now I want you to take particular notice of verse 23. Who saved Israel that day? The Lord. The Lord fought and saved Israel that day. Israel The very people who had told him, no, we want a king to fight for us. They saw that the Lord fought and saved them today. Now, why would God fight for a people that tell him no? Why would God fight for a people that tells him no? Because he loves them. Romans 5 and 8 says, but God demonstrates his own love toward us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. There was a time when we said, no, no, God, I want another king to reign over me. And he still went out to fight for you anyway. Guys, sin had killed us all, had, sin had made slaves of us all. And that gave us the death penalty. And so Jesus is the king who went out before us, before us to fight for us to win the battle over sin. And even though he was outnumbered and surrounded by those who always tried to set traps for him, the Philistines are setting a trap for the Israelites. How many times did they try to set traps on Jesus to catch him? Even though they tried to set traps against him, Jesus was never overpowered because James chapter 2 says that the enemy trembles before Almighty God just like the Philistines were trembling and melting away. Guys, if that's not enough to get you excited, I have no idea what will ever do it. (laughs) Jonathan ran into battle with faith because he had godly confidence. And we, you, should have that same confidence for the battles that you fight in your life. Because I know you got them. Proverbs 14.26 In the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence, and his children will have a place of refuge. I talk with a lot of people that don't have confidence. They're just not sure. Well, I don't know. I'm so small. What have I got? And they don't have any confidence. Friends, this is your confidence, the fear of the Lord. It's not based on you. Well, I don't have this. I don't have that. No, you don't. You never will. But the Lord's got it. Put your confidence in Him. It should be with the Lord Jesus Christ. But remember how we began this chapter. The Early in chapter 13, all the people were hiding. Saul didn't know what to do about it. They're all hiding in holes and mountains and stuff. And why? Because their fear was not in the Lord. Their fear was in the enemy. Their fear was in the wrong place. And the fear of the Lord 
there is confidence, not in the fear of your enemy. Make sure your fear is in the right place. And the guy that should have been leading, King Saul, was not leading. Today, most of those who say they are a Christian, they're more scared of the enemy than they are of God. And because of that, they are not leading. Friends, we should be leading. People are watching us. We should be leading others to victory in Jesus. But too many Christians won't lead because they're scared of the enemy. But oh my gosh, do they look busy. Boy, do they look right. Oh, I go to church. Oh, I listen to this podcast. Oh, I gave to this thousands of dollars. I bought the church a $250,000 mixer board. I heard that from somebody the other day. Looking busy, checking boxes. Did that, did that, did that, did that. They go do this, they go do that. They go through motion after motion, trying to look like they're really doing something. 2 Timothy 3.5, these people having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. Get away from them. Get away from them. I don't know, Ray, they're my friends. From such people turn away. God wrote this in his word for a reason, because bad company corrupts good character. Turn away from people like that. Do not follow them. Don't hang out with them. Take the gospel to them, but don't hang out with them. Don't spend time. Don't let them rub off on you. They need, you need to rub off on them. And if they won't have it, then you don't have it, okay? You need to follow ones like Jonathan, the ones who are real, because there is a battle out there. Ephesians 6 and 12, I want to explain the kind of battle. It says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against what? Spiritual, not physical, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Friends, stop fighting with people about politics. I see it on Facebook and everywhere, or people talk and they just go at each other. They will talk two minutes, and as soon as they find some little thing to disagree on, they open fire, and they're just going at it. Stop that. That's not your battle. Your battle, your enemy is not them. They are not your enemy, because they might be our brothers in Christ one day. The enemy we fight against is spiritual. Don't do like Saul did and put your focus in the wrong place. One of the best tricks I think that Satan plays on us is getting us to fight against each other instead of against him. We're supposed to love one another. That's our job. The war is spiritual. It's not against me and you disagreeing over political parties or the taste of barbecue or whatever. It's not what <laughs> if you guys, you know, we do it. It gets that bad. (laughs) And when Christians should be battling in the spiritual by representing Jesus, see, that's the battle, to represent Jesus to people, even people that don't like you, even people that insult you at every turn, to represent Jesus to them when you want to wring their neck. (laughs) That's a battle. That's hard. But instead, too many people are focused in the wrong direction, and they go to war with each other. Did you know that most Christians have never shared the gospel with one person? With one person. They've been saved for decades, and they've never shared the gospel 
but hardly maybe one time, sort of. Well, I don't want to offend anybody, Ray. I don't want to offend anybody. But boy, they'll sure go to war over politics. They don't care who gets offended there. It's focus in the wrong place. That's what that is. But what can I really do, Ray? I'm nothing. I'm small. Yeah, so was Jonathan's armor bearer. Look what he did with Jonathan, because he followed a good example, and he got in the fight. Get in the fight. Don't be worried about that enemy. John, 1 John 4 and 4, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. That's more confidence right there. You ought to walk out of here with your head high today. <laughs> no matter how tall you are, just have your head like this. Israel needed its Jonathan. And you can be a Jonathan to the world, too. Jonathan was not afraid of the Philistines. He presented himself right out to them. Here I am. You don't need to be afraid of your enemy. They need to see Jesus. He showed himself to them, and what that meant was their destruction, if you think about it. He presented himself through that pass right out there where he's very vulnerable. Guys, you got to get vulnerable. you got to let people know who you are. Be transparent. But that's not a weakness for Jonathan. It was destruction for them. I want to show you what Paul wrote in Philippians 1.27, how we can be a Jonathan. Philippians 1.27 says, Standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, in no way alarmed by your opponents, which is a sign of destruction for them. Y'all see that? This is why you don't freak out in front of your enemies. You're being firm as a sign to them about their destruction, but of salvation for you, and that too from God. You show them you're confident in your Lord. It's like, guys, if you continue to attack me for being a Christian, if you continue to persecute me, it ain't going to hurt me. It's going to hurt you. Jesus Christ even told Paul, remember when he met him, he says, Paul, it's hard for you to kick against the goads. And now that you know what a goad is, it's not smart to kick a goad. You're the one that's going to get hurt, not the goad. All these crazies that are out there causing trouble, don't be afraid of them. Don't let them worry you. Don't let them own you. Don't let them possess your mind. If you go to bed thinking about somebody crawling around in your head at night, they own you. Don't let them have you. Go to bed at night with Jesus on your mind and on your heart. Let him be your focal point. Don't fight the wrong direction like Saul was doing. The scripture says that when you are not alarmed by them, it is a sign to them about their destruction, but for our salvation. Jonathan gave us a vivid picture of what this verse looks like, didn't he? He demonstrated this for us to see in picture story form. And so if you've been hiding, if you've been afraid of the enemy, I want to ask you to stop following those who only look godly and follow those that God has called into your life to help build you up, to stand firmly in the victory of Jesus, even though the enemy continually tries to take you down. Follow the genuine, authentic people. Well, Ray, I'm going to lose a lot of friends by doing that. Yeah, you will, but you're going to gain more blessing and more friends in heaven. Psalm 18.39 says, For you have armed me with strength for the battle. You have subdued under me those who rose up against me. 
That's the power of God. Jonathan didn't beat the Philistines by himself. Power of God did that. That's your power of God in battle. Cash in on it. Bank on it. Use it. Capitalize. <laughs> Friends, about confidence, though, as, as a guy, as somebody who places his faith in Jesus, I have had to realize that I now define self-esteem as having confidence that I am who God says I am, not what the world says I am. You think you're worthless? The world told you that, not God. You think you can't pull anything off? You can't do anything? You're not worth much? You're not strong? The world told you that. God did not tell you that. Self-confidence, your, your, your self-esteem is based on who God says you are. But if you've been worried, and I know it happens, and there's people here that may be thinking that, people hearing me on the radio, if you've been worried, if you've been afraid, you feel trapped, oh, you're, there's a lot of traps out there. You have no way to know how in the world do you get out of this one. You feel surrounded like the Philistines were trying to do to Israel, and you feel that destruction is any minute right around the corner. Then I want to ask you to consider the fact that you are serving the wrong king. Perhaps the inactivity of this worthless king that you've given yourself to, perhaps that worthless king has caused you to start over-spiritualizing yourself with all the motions, all the religious checkboxes that you've been marking off, the appearance of godliness that you have that actually denies the power of God because you have not been experiencing any victory in your life. That's a sign you're following the wrong king. The Lord Jesus gives you victory, and it is sure. Serving the wrong king somewhere. If this is you, then it's time to change your focus. It's time to turn, because the Lord's victory is happening all around you. And you've got to ask yourself, if the victory is happening all around, how come I haven't been seeing it? I wanted to ask Saul the same thing. It's all over the place. How come you don't see it? There are slaves being set free from oppression. Those who are in fear are coming out of hiding, and they're being bold for the Lord. Why can't you see that? When Jonathan went out before Israel to fight for victory, the Hebrew slaves saw him as their way to be set free. Friend, Jesus went out before us to fight for our victory at the cross, and he won. When will you see Jesus as the way for you to be set free? It's time to kick that worthless king off the throne in your heart and give it to Jesus. Give him his rightful place. You know, through this whole chapter, I wish I could have said, Saul, would you just look at what's going on? Where's the priest call roll? Where's the stones? Where's the ark? Where's the... Saul, look, look, behold means look. Behold means look. Friend, would you just look? Look at what? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Lord has called small, unsuspecting people into battle around you to show you what victory looks like. How long do they have to fight alone before you choose to get in the fight? You are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. 
We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.